0: You're listening to another life-transforming message from C3 Church San Diego. For more information on our church, go to C3SanDiego.com. And the title of my message is, (laughs) Where the River Meets the Sea. There you go. I was told I had to announce the title of the message. Who feels excited already? (laughs) Well, that's as good as it gets. You know, in Philippians chapter 1, and I believe verse 5, it says, I thank my God because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. I love that little phrase, your partnership in the gospel. Do you know that the gospel, that we are not attenders at church or members of a team, but we're partners in the gospel. <laughs> That's what we are. We, God, we, we are partnering up in what you're doing this weekend. The moment you step into a place of generosity and giving. We are partners in the expansion of the gospel across this city. And every single one of us are that. The gospel is never stagnant. That's why I love being in a church and a movement that is it's never you never hit you never arrive. I mean it's frustrating sometimes. But but the fact is that God is always doing something hearing the vision of what's going on and what will go on this place that here's the deal. The gospel is a living river. The gospel is, is expanding, getting deeper, getting wider. And all we need to do, and I'm going to talk about it in a few moments, is jump into that river. And it's not like we don't have to make that vision happen. It's that there is God has got the vision. He's given the vision to leaders. All we need to do, we joined several years ago. All we've done is jumped into the vision. And as we've jumped in, and initially a little scary, but as we jumped into this thing, as we jump into that, uh, that river, then we recognize that God's river, God's vision, God's gospel, it's constantly moving and constantly growing. So many scriptures we could talk about. You know, Colossians uh, 2.19, the body grows with an increase that is, that is from God. This place, I'm telling you, this increase upon that. But He doesn't just increase the church, He increases us as we grow with the church. God has a great purpose and a blessing for your life, which is awesome. So, so what I've discovered over the years is we, how do we partner with this thing? And I've—I've I've, in the Bible, I've seen three powerful examples of this partnership between God and people. And I'm going to talk about very quickly, Abraham. He had a revelation or part, he partnered with Christ. Jacob partnered with the house of God. And Cornelius partnered with leadership. And I believe that, that we need, that it's the combination of all three that we need to partner with Jesus, we need to partner with the house of God, and we need to partner with leadership. And it is the combination of all three that I believe puts us in a place of great effectiveness in God. And so here we, the first one is Abraham, he partnered with Christ. You can read the story later at some point, Genesis 14, verses 17 to 23. Many of you know the story where he came back from a great victory where he rescued his nephew Lot. And then and a, a strange thing began to happen. He was confronted by two different kings. He was, confronted, he, he was approached by the king of Sodom, which means destruction. And he was approached by the king of Salem, which means peace. And I believe it's assembled, it's like us, our lives. There are two kings, there are two forces trying to get a hold of our lives. The world is trying to get a hold of you and it's promising all sorts of things. But Jesus is trying to get a hold of you and he is not promising something, he's offering something. He's offering blessing. He's offering blessing. The world offers success, but God offers blessing. And there's a huge difference. God brings blessing but the world offers success. Success has sorrow, blessing has peace. Success takes, blessing gives. Success is up to you only, but blessing is a covenant between you and God. And he offers that. And, and so Abraham, Abraham was he he gave something to Melchizedek, which was the king of Salem. He gave him the tithe. But what did he get back? He got blessing. And so God, I believe God has called us to live in the blessing of God. We need to be partners in that blessing. Who wants their life blessed here? anyone? And, and look, blessing looks like, success is awesome for a while, but I'm telling you, blessing will ultimately lead to success, which is a great thing. There's another guy, Jacob. So Abraham had the revelation of Christ. Jacob was walking along. He was on his way to a particular place. The place was called Haran. And it says, on his way, he reached a certain place. I love that. Yeah. Was, where was it? It was a certain place. Yeah. See, I guarantee none of us in this room tonight, in terms of even how you got to this place, you weren't necessarily searching for this place, but God had a place assigned for you. God had a place assigned for us. And so He's walking along the deal. And we, we discovered the house of God, Bernie and I. We, we, were, we met Christ in 1978 and didn't belong to a church. We, you know, that's a long story, but we finally got our act together and realized we needed to belong somewhere and heard of this young church that was starting in the Northern beaches of Sydney, where we lived. And we we're excited, it was six o'clock on a Sunday night. We drove down there into this parking lot. This is 1980, so this is 39 years ago. And we drove into the parking lot and it was empty. The parking lot was empty. They obviously heard we were coming. <laughs> well, I was coming. And this young gentleman drove into the parking lot with his hand waving out the window of his car, saying, are you looking for the church? Yeah, he says, we've moved, follow me. So we follow this strange guy in a strange car up to a strange building. I'm like, what are we doing? Who are we following here? Do you know what pastor, I didn't say this the service this morning, but pastor Phil, that was their first service in a new building. He said to one of the young guys, go to the old building just in case somebody arrives, thank God for good leadership, right? Yeah. And do you realize that big decisions swing on, sorry, big decisions swing on very little hinges. And it's the little things in life that make a big difference. So we rocked up to this brand new church, their first weekend in this new service. This was the beginning of C3. The, like the very first church, and there were 20 people in this little school hall and Pastor Phil and Chris were up the front leading. Pastor Chris in her uh, tartan skirt was doing the Pentecostal (laughs) two-step. It was awesome, there was a piano and a violin as the beginning of the C3 music. And we walked in and uh, Pastor Phil was up the front in his light blue safari suit. (laughs) Who who even knows what a safari suit is? One, two, I see that hand, that's awesome. (laughs) Anyway, I won't even go to describing. It It was awesome. <laughs> Actually, it wasn't. No, but but it was. It was. It was awesome. To us, it was awesome. It didn't. I realized that even now that churches don't have to be that sophisticated. It's 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 the depth and the quality and the presence of God. Walked in there. I had a. We just got out. I just got out of surf. I had a pair of board shorts on, a t-shirt. I had long blonde hair down to my shoulders. I had hair and. Uh, <laughs> And, and had, it was wet and I, we we just rocked up and, and, and we walked in there. It was like a scene out of an old black and white movie, you know, as I, I flung my hair and it went backwards. <laughs> we turned to each other, this, is, this bit's for real, <laughs> uh, and said, we're home. We're home. We squeezed each other's hand and simultaneously said, we haven't even met anybody yet because God wants you to discover Community, and and it's out of that place that we give. And you know, we discover Christ, but He's also wants you to discover the house of God. Abraham had a revelation of Christ. See, in Christ, you discover eternity, but in church, you discover destiny. And so, eternity is about you, but destiny is about others because God has a calling for you to make a difference in other people's lives. And then it wasn't until we are in the house of God that we discovered that, that, that we had a calling and God wanted to do stuff for us, you know, and through us more importantly. You know, Jacob, God arrested his attention and then he fell asleep on a rock, which I find amazing. Like, you know, and then a few minutes later, A few, little while later, he um, had a dream and he saw a stairway to heaven. I thought, well, there's the introduction. Well, there's soft rock and there's hard rock uh, right there. Anyway. Listen, both those things came out of America. So, you know, like. So, but he falls asleep on this rock and has a dream. And the dream is of the house of God. You're sitting in a dream right now. Our commitments this weekend are to build the dream so that others can have the experience that you're, about, that you're having right now. And he sees a, a, a stairway, a ladder, and the angels ascending and descending because the house of God's a place of great spiritual activity. We see the chairs and the stage and the lights and it's all awesome. But I'm telling you above your head spiritually there's there's things happening. There's visions being given. There's healings happening. There's hearts softening. There's stuff happening in this place. And and so instead of instead of climbing the corporate ladder, climb the kingdom ladder. Get get in get into those rungs. Get into that stuff. And then then the Lord said to him uh, this is this is the house of God, and he said, "This this is a this I am the God of your father Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob." See, the other thing we discover in the house of God is we build this for others as well. It's a place of generational blessing. It, it's not just for us. What what we're what we are building and what we're partnering with this weekend is not just for us. It's for our kids. It's for our kids' kids. We've got we, we're married forty years this year. We're, we're, Bernie only looks, this is, this is a miracle, Bernie only looks 25, but anyway, we're married 40 years, we've got three married kids, and we just had our seventh grandchild, we've got seven grandkids under seven, and we're having a great time, it's a great stage of life, but, but that's now, that's 40 years down the line. Go back for 39, 40 years and it's burning and I there and we began to dream of a dream of our future. But it, but it came to pass because of the house of God. Josh, our son, who's running the church in New York, was the first baby born in C3. Every, of Any baby born in all the movement, he was the first one. Yeah. And he, thank God he wasn't the sacrificial baby. Or <laughs> He's, and it's like, we had no idea. It wasn't like... Yes, I see on him. No, he was just a little kid, you know, whatever. And then we had another one and another one. And and then things happen and we do this. But the thing is, you gotta understand that what we're building here is not just for us. It's for the generations to come. <laughs> young guys, all the young guys are at the front here. I'm like, this is awesome. I felt like if my knees were any better and... Uh, <laughs> jumping and I'm like, this excites me. But if I can say to every young person, hang in there. Yeah. Cause you're gonna, have your, you're gonna have your version of our story. I want you to be here in 10 years, 20 years, 30 years, 40 years, 50 years, 60, I, I want, and not just to be here, but to see your kids and your kids' kids. And I'm telling you the blessing multiplies down the generations. Oh man, excited. And the other thing that, that, that Jacob experienced in revelation of the house was that it's, he woke up. Because sometimes he says, wow, well, this is not other than the house of God. Yeah, yeah. This is the gate of heaven. Yeah. I tell you, that's one of the greatest revelations. That One of the other things that we're building is every church you build, every location you start is a gate of heaven. Yeah. Every single one of them. In the house is the gate. Every one of those 16 locations that Pastor Jürgen Leanne have talked about is a gate of heaven, is an access point to grace and love and freedom and forgiveness to hundreds of thousands of San Diegans that have yet to discover God. I'm telling you, that's what the future is. That's a gate of heaven. And we need a revelation of Christ, but we need a revelation of the house of God, which is great. Third guy was Cornelius. I love the story of Cornelius in Acts chapter 10, 11. We're not going to read it. I just want to give a really quick summary. He was a great guy. He he wasn't a Christian. He wasn't a Jew. He was a God-fearing guy. He was was a generous prayer though. And it says, Heaven became aware of His generosity and His prayers. God, He has His people. And he sees hearts that want him and want to be generous. And so he just moved on this guy and led him to, uh, introduced him and uh, connected him to Peter, the apostle. So what we see in this story is it's the partnership between ministry and marketplace. It's not one or the other. It's not the ministry just going, yeah, preaching, what have you, what have you, and everyone just sits in their chairs. And it's not the marketplace. That's not going to change the world. It is the combination of the two. It is the chemistry of great men and women of God and great marketplace men and women of God. And as they, as they connect as they believe in one another and it's in this church. We were there Thursday night at the Vision Builders thing. I'm like, this is phenomenal what is happening in this place because the vision is being preached but the market is responding. And, And it's the combination that will bring, trust me, it will bring revival to this city, it will bring revival. We, the leaders cannot do it without the marketplace men and women and the marketplace cannot do it without the vision. Both will be blessed in Jesus' name. I believe that all over my heart. Anyone with me today? All right, all right. I want you to turn now. Okay, I want you to turn to Ezekiel chapter 47. Turn to Ezekiel 47. Turn to the person next to you and say, we're going deep. I, I like this. Yeah, that's it. I just like the screen. It's awesome. <laughs> I'm just going to talk for a few minutes then we're done. Here's the deal. We talked about all that, that, that Abraham, Jacob, Cornelius, we talked about this, this Christ, the house of God. We talked about partnership in the gospel, why we're giving. But the thing is, what I want to talk about in the next few minutes is what the purpose of it all is. If I can say anything to believers in, in this house is that, if we understand the big purpose, if we understand what it is that we're trying to achieve and what it is we are in this city that makes all the difference, the why behind everything is important. Yes. And so here we see in Ezekiel 47, then He brought me back to the door of the temple. Behold, water was issuing from below the threshold of the temple. Everybody say this after me, there is a river. <laughs> Verse two, then He brought me out by the way of the north gate, then me round the outside the outer gate faces towards the east and behold, the water's trickling out in the south side. I keep reading the scripture, I must have read this scripture a thousand times and I still have no idea where the water's coming from or going to, there's so many gates and angles. <laughs> what I do know is this, is right now, out of the throne of God, not metaphorically, literally, spiritually, out of the throne of God, there is a river. That river is the life of God. There's so many rivers in the Bible the river in the Garden of Eden, the river in the book of Revelations, this river. Jesus said, out of your belly will flow rivers of living water. Let me say this, the church is a river. What you're building, you are building a huge torrential river that's so, and I can feel it in this house. This morning with Pastor Michael and Lisa in East Camp. It was just all oh, these guys are amazing. And that's brand new and it's growing. it's awesome. You are building a river, rivers that, tr- that have tributaries attached to them and the life of God, that's what you're building. We are building this river and God wants you to be part of that river, to not sit on the edge, but to jump into this thing. So there's a river flowing. But check this out, verse three. Going on eastward with a measuring line in his hand, the man measured a 1,000 cubits, about 1,500 feet, he led me through water that was ankle deep, measured a thousand, led me through water that was knee deep, measured a thousand, led me through water that was waist deep, and again, measured a thousand, it was a river that I could not pass through. So here we see that what God wants to do is that He gets this river, he's life. God presents us to, to, to us, this life, this river, and says, come on in, yeah. just get in, it's, it's, it's our choice. Yeah. He never shoves you in, pastors do. <laughs> <laughs> You know, but God says, come on in. So He, he says, come in and He doesn't go all the, mat, all the way all at the same time, just come on ankle, just come on experience. I call this experiential Christianity. And I love that. I love the fact is, come on, it's like us. When we come to the house of God on a Sunday and we maybe knew, I remember the early days of church that I just talked about. I'd come, I, I, I come from a conservative background, it, you know academic education and I, I didn't want raising hands was like like that's a bit weird you know and I remember maybe after about a month I'm going I said to myself that Sunday morning I'm going to do it <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to tip my ankle in the, Whoo! And, and, I remember, and I remember I remember I did this I did this yeah and I'm like, everybody's looking at me. <laughs> Ooh, quick, down. Oh, look at that. But, but it's just, God wants you to experience His life and His love and, 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 and don't be forced to do anything. Just go on your journey, go, go at your pace. It's all good. But He does want you to experience that. Come into church, dip in, woo. woo and, and you go home get all dry and crusty again, and and then come back to church and go, oh, you know what it's like on a hot day, and all you gotta do is put your foot in the river and your whole body gets gilled. That's God, that's God's presence. But wait, there's more. You get the steak knives thrown in. He says come to knee deep. He says, there's a river, there's more. So many Christians live on the edge and that's all they experience. Come in the knee, I, I do a little bit of training and uh, where we live in Sydney, I know it's not obvious, but uh, a bit of training uh, on, the, on the beach where we live and they're training, we're running on the sand and then sometimes he says, come on, into the ocean, into the, into the water. So when we go to our knees, And and on the sand, you're whatever, there's nothing pushing around. But as soon as you get in the water, there's currents, there's guiding you. God wants us at that level where the Spirit of God is guiding us. And see, God wants directional Christianity. Who you marry, where you go to church, what your career is. Who knows that God's direction is better than your direction? And, And we need that. Yeah, many Christians never do. They never get to that level. They, they stay at the experiential level. Can I beckon you in to the directional level? What's God guiding you and directing you tonight to give? Because His version is far better than your version. But He says, wait, there's more. Come to the waist level. In the Bible, the waste is often called the loins. It's a sort of weird phrase, loins. But you haven't used that word in a while. This morning, ooh, I feel it in my loins. <laughs> I feel movement in my waters. It's a bit weird, isn't it? So he said, come to this level because this represent, your loins represent your character, who you are, the core of your being. He wants, I call this transformational Christianity. God doesn't just want you to experience Him or Him to direct you, He wants to change you. He wants, to, he wants to adjust you, He wants to change you. He wants an angry person to become a happy person. He wants a negative person to become a positive person. A, an anxious person to become a, a, a faithful person. God has things, because who knows that only transformed people transform community. And the, and, the, and the community aren't just looking at the how impressive the buildings are or they're looking that under pressure, you're a different person today than you were last week or last year. God wants transformational power to come into your life. And that, as you go deep into His presence, that's what begins to happen. You become different in your marriage and different with your kids and you become different at the workplace, the presence of God. But wait, there's more. He says, come on in all the way, all the way. Just in the river, jump in where you can't stand. You ha- you are no longer are you guiding the thing? The river is guiding you. You go where the river goes. It's it's trust. I believe the ultimate form of faith is trust. Trust faith is what you can grab a hold of. Trust is what you let go of. G- when Jesus died on the cross and went into hell and into the grave, he he didn't do it by faith. He It says, I trusted my soul to Hades. And and so I want you to move into a place of fresh trust tonight and give it to Him. And He he, he trusted God. And and so God wants us in the river. I call this missional Christianity. Missional. Missional is when suddenly it's not about me, it's about others. You know, probably my first experience, uh, one of my most memorable experiences of this was years and years ago. It was 1989, 1988, and Pastor Phil, we're in that church and we're sitting in a meeting, not that dissimilar to this, and Pastor Phil declared, one day you're going to plant a church in New York. And previous things that he posted like that, I thought, that's awesome, we're, we're with it, whatever. But he said that one statement, and those words came and hit me. And immediately I knew that we're meant to be planning the first C3 church in America. And this was 30, over 30 years ago. And, and I freaked me out. We'd never been to America, never been to New York, but I saw a picture of us instantly getting off a plane in New York. Went home, didn't talk to Bernie about it initially cause I was so freaked out. And I remember leaning in the, over the sink in the kitchen going, Lord, if this is you, I'm gonna do my one and only Gideon fleece for the, for the whole lifetime. Now, some of you do them way too frequently. Lord, if you want me to go to work this morning. <laughs> oh yes, obviously you don't. I said, Lord, if, you, if this is you, three things. I don't know where the, I said, three things. Pastor Phil needs to come and ask me to go and plant a church. Number two, I want Bernie in that conversation. It can't be just me alone, it's gotta be us together because we do everything together. And number three, I want both those things to happen within 24 hours. I felt suddenly relieved. (laughs) Like, as if that's going to happen. Like God's in heaven going, well, I was going to call you to New York, but since you made it so hard, (laughs) aren't we weird? Come on, who's weird here anyway? Next day in my office, my office door burst open. It's Pastor Phelps. Bernie was a young mum at that point. She wasn't on staff. We had three little kids and I left my lunch at home. And she said, I'll just drop it off at the office. <laughs> just right there. She's walking up the stairs, a little brown paper bag. Pastor Phil sees her out of the corner of his eye and says, Bernie, I want you to be in this conversation. And then, and then he says, I want you to leave the church and plant a church. And then 10 days later, we're on a plane to New York City. Everybody say, there's a river. Now, let me just say this. We were just sussing it out. It took us a while to get visas and everything. So. But we got there and crazy things happened. And we, got, we arrived and, you know, I got a million New York stories. But we, we eventually got there. By the way, we bought a car in California and drove across America with three small kids in the back seat. Don't do that. Don't do that. Right in New York in the snowstorm. We had some friends there and we eventually ran to the house. And then we got this house and Josh, who was a pastor of his own church in New York, now he was 38, was seven. He said, Dad, when are we gonna start the church? I said, good question. Because <laughs> so we had no money and we knew no one. No one. I said, Friday night. So what are we gonna do? I said, we're gonna have a prayer meeting because we need to pray. <laughs> he said, great. So we... Bernie wrote out all his handwritten invitations and delivered them to every house in that neighbourhood. Not just our street though. I don't know how many you did, it was tonnes and tonnes. And so we had the thing Friday night and no one arrived. But praise God, it's all good. We're just starting, this is, it's good. And so, but the next week we get a letter in the mail from our landlord, who's this nasty New York attorney. He said, uh, with an eviction notice, because the lady next door was so upset that we're having a Christian meeting in the house, she took it upon herself and she visited everyone in the neighbourhood and have them sign a petition to have us evicted out of our house for having a Christian meeting in our house. Welcome week one, church planning. Have uh, I say there's a river. <laughs> but once you're in the river, the river's flowing. It's not like you don't get out of the river. Don't get, I'm out of here, you know. I mean, I felt like getting out. So I'm looking for buildings where nowhere to meet. We're talking 30 years ago in New York, separation of church and state. We couldn't meet in any public facility. Anyway, I found this Jewish university. And I'm like, they're bound to have an auditorium. So I go in there, it's a Jewish rabbi. I said, I'm a Christian, Australian Christian pastor. Do you have an auditorium? He goes, Yeah. I said, Will you rent it to me? He goes, he looked at me and like, yeah. I'm like, how much? He goes, $60. I said, I'll take it. <laughs> He said, I, he said, do you want to see it? I said, oh yeah, I guess. I was so excited, you know. So, so we're going through corridors and doors and stuff. We burst through these double doors into a thousand seat auditorium. It was awesome, wasn't it? No, it was horrible. Because we had no one in the church. So we met there that following Sunday with Bernie and I, the three kids, I was was a musician. Bernie was a song leader and a friend from Boston. That was it. And 996 empty chairs. It was the anti-revival. I was pretty tough. There was so many things going wrong. Anyway, but we were doing it. We're away. Following Saturday, we had a little league game that Josh was playing. It was therapeutic to us, smelling the fresh cut grass, American baseball. It was just awesome. Sitting on the bleachers. And I was here. Bernie was there. And another mum was there. And we're sitting there watching the game and, and this lady says to Bernie, she hears our accent, and says, where you from? Oh, yeah. and, we're, and Bernie's like, almost like, what's it to you? Because there's so many things going wrong, and so many, and she, and she said, well, we're from Australia. She says, oh, wow. What are you doing here? And Bernie goes, my husband's work. That was it. And then she says, and she kept pushing him. What do you do? What does he do? Bernie goes, He's a motivational speaker. <laughs> Which is such a lie, because I was so unmotivating at that point. And then she, <laughs> then she's actually, we're, she got all the guilts and said, we're actually, we're pastors and we're here to plant a church. And Lay like goes, awesome, can I come? And we're like, and I said, yes. But in my mind, I'm like, we don't have anybody in our church. And <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, she comes the following day and we're at the front door welcoming people. (laughs) She arrives. I said, find a seat, you know. (laughs) Thousand seats. So she sits in the front row. Now we have 995 empty chairs. To be honest with you, I'm dying. But I'm in the river. Once you're in purpose, once you're in that thing. Anyway. Anyway. Preached, said, and I said, "Everyone, close their eyes. If there's anyone here, if there's anyone here, uh, <laughs> who doesn't know Jesus, put your hand up." So she put my hands up. I said, "Make your way to the front." She goes, "Excuse me, pardon me, I don't want to go to hell." <laughs> and she received Christ. It was awesome. And next weekend, next weekend, she brought her husband and two kids. They, they met Christ. And then they brought their four, another four friends the following week. They all met Christ. And this role was happening. This role was happening. Check, the rest of that scripture, Ezekiel 47 says this. Watch this. I'll finish on this. So I've gone a minute over. It says, because every river has a destination. I want to tell you, C3 San Diego, the river that's in this house, which is unbelievable is not for this house. See, every river has a destination. Every river is heading to the sea. And the sea in the Bible always represents lost humanity. The purpose of the river is not the river. The purpose of the river is the sea. It says later in that scripture that wherever, watch this, wherever the river meets the sea, there everything lives. Because the ultimate life is not the life in the river. The ultimate life is the life in the river that affects someone else. It's where the river meets the sea. It's, it's, where, it's where your life impacts another life. At that point, so in a minute, we're gonna, this service is going to close. Service done. But there's another church service that starts in about five minutes. This is the gathered church. But in a few minutes, the scattered church is going to, and you're the minister. But you're taking the river. You're in the river. You're taking this river. Because Jesus said, out of your belly will flow rivers of living water. See, on your worst day, there's a river flowing through you. That's what I discovered in those things. I was depressed, I was discouraged, I was confused and yet even still the life flowed out of us and out of my wife into that life. On your worst day, there's a river flowing through you. San Diego is desperate for what you've got in here and you're giving to something that is not just for now, it's for future, it's for the thousands of lives that aren't here yet. That's what it's for. If you can see the greater purpose in that, in Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening. To find out more about our pastors, team, and what we do at C3 San Diego, go to c3sandiego.com.